0: This is the Visible Hand Special Job Market Edition. My name is Jordi Blanes-Vidal. My guest today is Arkadef Ghosh, a PhD student and job market candidate at the Vancouver School of Economics, University of British Columbia. Today, we're going to talk about his paper, Religious Divisions and Production Technology, Experimental Evidence from India. Arkadef, welcome to the podcast.
1: Thank you very much for having me.
0: So, Arkadev, this paper studies on the effect of religious diversity on team productivity, It is a great paper and it is related to another really great paper written by Jonas Jort in 2014. In fact, that earlier paper of Jonas Jort is probably my favorite paper in economics of the last 20 years. Could you start by telling us about what this paper by Jort or other earlier papers have uncovered about the effect of diversity on productivity?
1: Sure. Yeah, Jonas's paper is my favorite too. So I think uh, what these papers have done, recent papers have really looked at the effects of diversity in the private sector, moving on from the public sector effects that we know that it can reduce coordination, can re- lead to free riding, which leads to lower public goods provision. So starting with Jonas's paper, we have more moved more into looking at the private sector effects of this. So, I mean, Jonas shows in a Kenyan flower plant that having ethnically diverse teams, ethnically mixed teams leads to lower team output. And uh, he shows that this is essentially because of taste-based discrimination, where your a worker is fine with having a negative payoff if, just because they want to put a negative payoff on their teammate. Uh, and since then... And there have been other papers, even in the Indian context, by Farzana Afridi and co authors who show that caste based uh, connections or caste homogeneity boost productivity in garment factories and in, in, in the Indian context. What we know about this literature is that really there are these costs of integration in firms which show up in output. So,
0: you mentioned the mechanism of taste based discrimination because that is a setting in which workers are paid at team piece rates and therefore by working less hard a worker in that kenyan flower context is earning a lower wage But at the same time, making their teammate, which may be from a different ethnicity, have a lower wage as well. And this is what you mean by taste by discrimination. Now, the the setting that you study and the type of mechanisms that are important in your context are uh, different. Could you tell us about what aspects of the effect of diversity on productivity you are exploring in,
1: in your paper? So I do two things that I think make progress on what we have been, what we have known so far about this literature. And I think we haven't been able to make progress on these two key factors because of the settings that have been studied previously. So the two main things that I do is essentially flash out the production function effects. And you think that's fundamental, the way people react or act and um, interact during production, sorry, really depends on the production function. I could de- determine the frequency and length of interaction, and perhaps most importantly, by determining complementarities in the production function, it could affect the incentives to. Interact. So that's sort of the main, uh, one of the main aspects of what my my paper looks at. And the second um, aspect is I look at the long-term effects of integration in firms. You know, so far we know that, okay, statically there's this negative effect of mixing workers, but we also know from the contact literature, sort of digressing a little bit from the effects of diversity on output, that, you know, integrating people under certain conditions can have positive effects on relations. So why not? They should show up in productivity too. So that's the second contribution I try to make by keeping. These workers together for a sufficiently long period of time, and showing that whatever the mechanism is, whatever sort of discrimination we have in mind, whether that can be ameliorated over time through repeated contact. So
0: the paper by George and the other paper by Afridi that you mentioned, they mm-hmm. are all, if you want, a natural experiments or settings in which the variation is natural or you know quasi exogenous, and the as a result of this, the variation that they explore is short-term variation that they're using teams that change in composition constantly. And this is this is like a, a requirement of them being able to use this, this uh, natural setting, being able to observe that, that teams form and dissolve at a relatively high frequency level. That's great. But as you're saying, an advantage of your setting is because you are going to do a field experiment. You can randomize and then keep the same workers in the same team for longer periods. You are going to call them long run. They don't seem so long run to me, which... It's not meant as a, as a criticism, it's rather the other way, because as you will tell us, maybe the effects is relatively quickly, you know, but you are able to keep these workers together for
1: a relatively long period and see what happens to their productivity. Right. That's right. Um, as you said, I mean, which is a, a very clever identification strategy that the previous papers use is that they exploit the fact that people frequently switch teams and then they can track the same person as they move from a homogenous to a mixed team and they use that variation to identify the effects of diversity. Uh, what I do, and but but you know, it's a it's, it's a great sort of identification strategy. But the sort of negative aspect of that is you can't estimate the effects of contact because it's you know very very frequently switching teams. What I do, as you said, is that I keep the workers intact for a period of four months. I call it long run. I would have to I would have wanted to keep them uh, together for longer. Essentially, COVID is what disrupted my experiment. Uh, I call it long run because I mean we can talk about it more when we get to the results. Essentially, because in a sense you can think of it as a new equilibrium because I find the differences in the output effects are completely ameliorated during this period. Excellent. So you, you also mentioned that the production technology is going to matter, the
0: type of task in which these uh, teams that these teams undertake. So can you tell us broadly first and then maybe more specifically, what is the setting of the
1: organization? What is the organization in which the study takes place? Mm-hmm. So uh, the plant that I study, essentially, it makes packaged bakery products, so processed food manufacturing plant. It's a... Uh, a fairly state-of-the-art plant. So it has uh, you know, modern machines, and it typically has uh, multiple production lines. And each of these lines have multiple different tasks uh, which need to be completed before the final product is produced. And I essentially look at these tasks and uh, classify these tasks using time-use data into two broad types, which I call high and low dependency or high and low coordination, if you want to like that term better. So essentially what a high dependency task is is where the degree of instantaneous contact amongst co-workers is very high so it's typically work on a conveyor belt where each responsible each person is responsible for picking up multiple pieces of a product uh, and so think about person standing side by side so if you work slow it immediately affects everybody on the line contrast this with a low dependency task uh, which is typically a task in a mixing room since it's a food plant where individual duties are much more well defined so you know you clearly know what you're responsible for, but yet there is things that you need to coordinate on, you need to follow up on your teammates' progress, because it's still still chain production, right? So you have to follow up on each other's progress to ensure production is moving smoothly. And also in times of breakdown, you have to coordinate. So that's the key difference between these two type of tasks. And a core idea in economics that differentiates this is essentially the degree of complementarity in labor inputs. So very high degree of complementarity in high dependency or high coordination, relatively lower degree of complementarity in low dependency or coordination. So
0: the difference between tasks is conceptually very important for the results of the of the paper but other characteristics of the organization are also important in that they are critical for understanding where the randomization is coming what is a team and what is not and so on so I, I want to go back to the issue that you mentioned of the production lines as you say there there are some production lines in particular there are six and these production lines they are doing a single product or in the sense that they are like a value chain, if you want, the the raw materials come from one side, and the final product comes uh, from the other side. And then there are tasks, I think you call them sections in the paper, of things that need to be done to convert the raw materials into the the final product at every stage. And it is these tasks that can be split into high or low dependency. That's correct. That's absolutely correct. But one important element that I want to emphasize is that in some sense you refer to these tasks as as teams in that you have a set of workers who are all doing the the, the same type of work and are physically right next to each other. But the whole line is a team as well uh, because the whole line is jointly responsible for mm-hmm. a single product therefore you cannot go faster than your line correct there is like a minimum you know it's like a maximum component to this production technology uh, and this is this is going to be important in terms of what you can measure or cannot
1: measure later on absolutely it's a very clear explanation of the setting and as you said rightly that you know these multiple tasks need to be completed so the randomization that i do essentially involves the estimating the effects of diversity both using these line level outputs. So just comparing the overall output from line, one line to the other. Uh, and how I do that essentially is I have these stages of these sections. I, I mix workers to be, have uh, I only have mixed teams in one line in only these high dependency tasks. And another line, my uh, sort of the second treatment is that I mix workers only in these low dependency tasks. So then by comparing a line that has only its high dependency tasks uh, with mixed workers to a line with only its low dependency tasks having mixed workers, I essentially get the difference in the effect of mixing in high versus low dependency tasks. What i also did just to get the level effect of mixing is also supervisors uh, production supervisors during uh, the period of the experiment they rated each of these little stages of production independent of the uh, performance of the whole line as a as, as a group so essentially each of these sections can also be rated on sort of raw material or freight movement so how quickly are trays moving from one section to the other accounting for how many were passed on to from the other section to avoid these spiel- spillover effects uh, that could could sort of uh, model up the treatment effects. And I find, and we can go talk about the results, that, you know, sort of the results at the overall line level seem to match up with what I find in these individual tasks as well.
0: So while from the company, the whole line is a team, you as a researcher manage to disentangle the separate contribution of a section by essentially paying or convincing people to go there and visually rate the performance. We could call it productivity, but maybe performance is a... Is a better word mm-hmm. of each of these sections individually. So, the, mm-hmm. so it's like taking taking the Holmstrom team model and then paying somebody to disentangle the E one from the E two and the E three, <laughs> right? In in that perspective, uh, you use the ingenuity of a researcher. The fact that you could do it to get a more precise
1: measure of of productivity. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that that was uh, very important because you know it's important to get those measures at that level because essentially the the physical. Quantity- that workers are workers have do happen only in the level of this section you know if you're in a mixing section at the beginning of a line you don't have much physical contact with the person who's at the end of the line so to me- really measure the effect of contact on both productivity or performance as you say and you know intergroup relations i really need these section level outcomes and some of these sections can be automatically rated because they have individual level productivity data like packing sections can be rated on packing material wastage it's uh, data that the firm collects for their own interest so they can really really use that to rate it on their own so they don't have to really go and observe whereas versus some sections um, like you know like tray washing or how much uh, you know baking time in the oven those things they do not really keep a structured data off so those things they had to I collected uh, specifically data on um, you know, sort of through some extra effort during the period of the intervention yes
0: so we are talking about diversity here but in the case of a paper that takes place in Africa diversity may mean one thing in A paper from Europe, diversity may mean something else, what is the meaning of diversity
1: in, in this Indian setting?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So I specifically look at, you know, there's the two main uh, forms of diversity that people have studied in India. It's basically caste and religion. I look at religion and because it's much more salient in the West Bengal context. So I essentially look at contact between Hindus and Muslims, Hindus being the majority group, Muslims being the minority group. Yeah, so that's the, essentially the uh, dimension of diversity that I look at. And, you know, these divisions, I feel, have gotten... Uh, are much more salient in recent times because of the political environment. There's been a significant degree of polarization in terms of on religious lines in, in India overall and specifically in the West Bengal context. So I think these divisions are much less salient if you go back you know, 10-15 years. I mean, they, they're always there, but they've just become much more salient now.
0: Diversity can mean in practice two separate things. It can mean heterogeneity of characteristics of individuals. Uh, say, in a team, or it can also mean presence of the uh, minority workers. In other words, you could have homogeneity in that you have maybe a team that is composed of certain workers who are the minority in the in, in the population. But here you don't don't have this. In some sense, diverse teams are collinear with teams with a presence of Muslim workers because you never have Muslim only teams just because you don't didn't have enough uh, Muslim workers in order to create them or or for other reasons, correct? So there's a, a collinearity there that it's not it's not unique to this context. In, in fact, it happens in many other cases in which Even in in the popular press, the two
1: meanings of diversity are very often mixed. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's correct. You know, as I show in the paper that at baseline in this firm, naturally there are two different types of teams that occur. And when I say teams, again, I may mean at these little section or uh, production stage levels. And they are essentially either Hindu-only teams or uh, Hindu and Muslim mixed teams. So, yeah, I do not experimentally generate any team, any type of team. That does not happen naturally at baseline. Uh, firstly, because I would have power issues because you know 80% of the workers are Hindus, 20% are Muslims, and secondly, because also you know it's weird to artificially create uh, team times that do not happen uh, generally um, or naturally occur at baseline. The downside to that is you know one could argue that my effects that uh, I find could be just driven by differences in average productivity across groups. So I do do a great deal of checks in the paper to show that essentially rule out the fact that it's not Hindus and Muslims are essentially. Equally productive. Uh, so, what's driving what I find is something else.
0: So, this may be a good moment to talk about the initial findings. You have already referred to them somewhat, mm-hmm. but uh, what are you like a baseline type of findings in terms of the effect of diversity on on team productivity?
1: Right. So, the main findings. So, I have two sets of outcomes. First is production. So, let me start off with those. What I find is that consistent with uh, past papers that have looked on uh, the effects of you know diversity, I find find that there is an overall negative effect of uh, mixing workers on output, but this is really concentrated on high dependency tasks. I find that mixing workers is essentially costless in low dependency tasks. And consistent with this finding, I find that, you know, I also study worker interactions uh, during production. And I find that, you know, consistent with this negative effect of mixing in high dependency tasks, there's likely to be more frictions amongst workers in mixed teams. There's more intergroup blame, there's greater accusations, and there's general less willingness to give up, uh, you know, less sort of altruistic motives towards each other. So they're less willing to give up relief time or break times for one another. So there's overall lower cohesion. But the second key finding with respect to output is that these differences are essentially they go away over time and they essentially disappear in four months. So whatever these frictions that led to these low output through repeated intergroup contact, they're ameliorated, and so there's this really short-term cost, but these differences go away over a period of um, in four months, basically. Yeah,
0: we mentioned the 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 paper by George and their test-based discrimination seem like a you know a very natural mechanism by which diversity will productivity, because if people dislike each other, they can hurt each other by working less hard. But this is a setting in which the workers have the same type of wage, regardless of how much they produce. Mm-hmm. So I am I was wondering, before we go into the high dependency tasks, mm-hmm. I was thinking about the low dependency tasks. I'm thinking of a room in which we have a set of workers. They're all doing the same thing, but each of them is in a separate corner. They can go at their own pace. They can take the breaks whenever they want. They don't even have to be looking at each other. They don't want to. They can turn around. Why would you at all expect any type of effect of even generally team characteristics on productivity in in this low-dependency task
1: context? Um, that's a fair question. That's a criticism that I often get. And um, So my answer typically is that the, the, the scenario you ex- explained about low-dependency task is true, but not entirely. So a typical low-dependency task, as you're right, would, as I was saying, was is in a mixing room uh, where one worker is uh, weighing the raw materials together. The second worker is arranging the flower buckets, putting in, uh, in the flower buckets in place for the third worker eventually who will actually mix all these materials together. So if I don't work fast enough for my uh, uh, arranging my buckets, eventually the third person is going to be affected. So that's typically the setting. So it's perfectly possible to sabotage or undermine uh, your teammate's efforts. Uh, it's just that the degree of complementarity is much lower, and you know it's it's much more assigned, well assigned, which task is supposed to be done by you, and sort of consistent with this. I though overall that I find I do not find an effect of mixing workers in low dependency during a brief period of violence in. India, yeah, pass, after, after passing of the Citizenship Amendment Act, I find that these negative effects show up in these low dependency tasks as well. So, if you really wanted to sabotage or undermine the effort of your teammates, and you have strong, you know, distaste for your teammates, you can take like extreme actions that would hurt them. Um, and the fact that I, in general, do not find these effects sort of makes me gravitate away from this sort of strong distaste uh, explanation to more of a, you know, explanation that's based on you know priors about what uh, Hindus and Muslims believe about each other. Yeah. Uh-huh.
0: Obviously, whenever there is a high, there has to be a low, but uh, sometimes when you go and get a coffee, there are only two sizes, large and medium. So there doesn't seem to be a low, a small one. Would it be fair to say also here that the low dependency tasks are actually medium dependency tasks in that there is still an element in which the workers need to coordinate somewhat, even though it is lower than an assembly line in which the moment that I take my eye off the conveyor
1: belt, the machine is going to blow up. Yeah, I think that's exactly right. I yeah, I would be, I, yeah, I could call it medium dependency. I don't call it no dependency, right? I call it low dependency but not no dependency. But yeah, um, you know, you, it, there's two key things that you have to do in low dependency tasks. The first is that you have to follow up on your teammates' progress to schedule your own work because otherwise it would, the chain would break. And the second thing is there are disruptions to production. Sometimes when a machine doesn't work or something in the line is not working on your section, then you have to coordinate with each other, maybe even involve the supervisor so you know there's a fair bit of contact in low dependency as
0: well okay so you have just just to go back to the setting of the experiment you have some lines all the lines have the same amount of overall diversity in that they all have the same proportion of muslim workers but in some lines those workers are part of diverse teams that happen to be doing low dependency tasks whereas in other lines the uh, Muslim workers are in teams that are doing high dependency tasks. You estimate the difference in productivity between these two types of lines, and you find that initially, at least, the diversity in high dependency tasks relative to diversity in low dependency tasks uh, decreases productivity. That's that's the initial finding. You were mentioned earlier that you validate this with measures at the task or section or team level. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Is, is that correct that that they that are like more precise measures of product of productivity if you want
1: right um that's correct so you know think of so the best way to explain is this think of a line which is like 10 sections five high dependency five low dependency and there are two cohorts that work on this line and the first cohort i only mix workers in high dependency tasks so all the five high dependency tasks have both hindus and muslims and the low dependency tasks only have hindus the second cohort has l- mixed workers in low dependency. Dependency tasks, so Hindus and Muslims, and all the high dependency tasks are only all Hindus. Now, so if I compare the output from the first line of the co- output of the first cohort to the second cohort, um, you know, at just this one measure, right? Not at these individual tasks, just the overall line level number of pieces produced. What I know, and if I suppose I find that uh, lines with mixed teams in high dependency tasks produce lower output, I only know that high dependency religious mixing is relatively more costly. High dependency. You know, maybe it's religious uh, diversity increases output in both tasks, it increases more in low dependency, and that's why we see this. Maybe decreases output in both types of tasks, but more in high dependency, and that would still be consistent with this finding. So, you know, it just tells you that it's relatively more costly. So, to get at the level effects, then I look at, you know, I can directly compare mixing in high dependency to non mixing in high dependency by the section level uh, ratings. And there it is there that I find that, you know, No, there's no level effect of mixing in low dependency. So whether you mix or not doesn't matter. They produce the same output, whereas it's only in high dependency that this effect is. So the overall line level differences are essentially explained entirely by mixing in high dependency.
0: So this organization existed, this firm existed before you arrived Uh, To it. So, presumably, the workers were already working in lines and they were mixing whatever way. If you had data, access to data about line productivity prior to the randomization that you uh, implemented, you could move beyond the difference effect and do even the levels at the line level, in that you could use a line that had a certain productivity, but then moved up or down uh, in the sense of becoming a more extreme low dependency allocation of monthly workers line or a more extreme allocation of Muslim workers to high dependency tasks. And that would have allowed you, you know, to some sure. extent to, to do the same process. I mean, probably you don't need it. It's, it's If you have a data at the at the section level, it's, it's probably mm-hmm. good enough. But mm-hmm. I was a little bit wondering
1: why, have you ever thought of exploring earlier data, you know, to, to mm-hmm. do more of a different type of setting? No, sure. Um, and I have explored uh, earlier data and I find found these you know these effects at baseline and that's what motivated me to look at this. But, you know, as you said, at baseline, all sort of sections would have been a little bit mixed because the firm essentially follows a quasi-random method of allocating workers to tasks. You know, whenever there's a vacancy, the HR manager has a list who just allocates people to tasks because, you know, a large section of these tasks, almost all of these tasks are unskilled. So it typically takes one to two days to induct someone to a task. So that would, of course, the concern with that is like firstly power, right? You have like most lines look similar you know, some, you're right that, you know, some have more mixing in high dependency tasks, some have low, more mixing and low dependency tasks naturally, but sort of the differences would be much less dark. It's also difficult to uh, get at the effects of contact because you know, the degree of mixing was also um, not, not as high as what I do in the experiment, you know, so the degree, you know, the amount of contact that Hindus have with Muslims in the experiment is typically much higher than they would have had at baseline. Okay, so you said diversity in high dependency tasks bad for productivity
0: on the difference and also on the levels. The effect however disappears after a while is something that you mentioned at some point. What is the mechanism that you have in mind that could explain these effects? Like maybe maybe Hindu workers stop disliking Muslim workers uh, and the test-based discrimination disappears or what other idea you have in mind that could explain
1: these findings? Right. So I'm, I, I'm not going to make a very strong statement. So you know, There could be three sort of mecha- potential mechanisms that you could think of. The First, is just pure communications, you, you know? So maybe people from different religions, they speak different language, and that sort of uh, has this effect. And since you need to interact more in high dependency, you see these effects more here. And the other two are typical uh, sort of discrimination arguments that it's either taste or statistical discrimination. I'm um, you know, i not gonna tell you that, you know, pinpoint that it's just taste or statistical, and it's very hard to do in this context. And, you know, I, 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 I'll I, never say that there's not distaste amongst Hindus and Muslims. There's Definitely is, but I didn't feel like uh, you know workers come into work with the feeling that they want to um, uh, really punish their uh, non religionist co-workers, and uh, that's consistent with the fact that I don't find effects in low dependency. Um, so what I gravitate towards, and I do this through a model in the paper, is that I show these effects are essentially uh, determined by the degree to which the majority group did, uh, stereotypes the minority group. So there's a fundamental difference between the amount of contact that Hindus and Muslims have with each other at baseline. Because of Muslims and minorities, they're always used to working with Hindus, whereas Hindus being the majority, a large section of them do not work with Muslims. So this leads to Hindus and Muslims having different priors about each other. And given the overall uh, uh, you know, evidence of discriminations against Muslims in the Indian context, so in education and labor market, I assume that you know, given this and the lack of contact that Hindus have, Hindus start off with a lower prior about how capable their Muslim workers are, uh, about their productivity, whereas Muslims, having always been with Hindus, do not make this distinction. And these priors end up mattering in high dependency tasks because of these complementarities uh, in the production function. So as a Hindu worker, once you're mixed with a Muslim worker, you feel like, you know, my effort is really depends on how much effort my Muslim co-worker puts. And since I think, since my belief is that they're not enough productive, I myself exert low effort. And the model shows that given uh, a long enough time horizon, since Muslims understand the game what they do is essentially they work harder to update the priors of the majority group Um, and so gradually over time, the Hindu workers realize that you know, Muslim workers are not differentially productive, and that makes them exert uh, you know, optimal effort, which leads to these production differences uh, going away over time. And then the data I find this to be—I mean, I find the model to be consistent with uh, with, with the data.
0: So b- before we go to the data, uh, r- referring to this particular mechanism, I, I, I presume that you are Indian and mm-hmm. uh, maybe you are even from West Bengal. Mm-hmm. Uh, is there a stereotype in West Bengal about Muslims being uh, late? or dumb or anything like that, that that these workers take with them to the factory because these stereotypes in terms of the statistical discrimination that you pointed there has to be some type of anecdotal evidence that they, they seem to be out there in, in some sense.
1: No? Right. Um, you know, I completely agree with you and I'm working on a project that tries to understand stereotypes now so I, I, don't, I don't claim that I've completely understood it but, you know, generally, uh, you know, there is that feeling that, and, and this is really because Muslims tend to have lower education and even sort of uh, formal work experience. So I base my assumption on that, uh, the stereotypes about that. So I, I do not directly correct stereotypes data at baseline though.
0: Let me give you, uh, me give you an example. Imagine mm-hmm. that the minority uh, group in this factory was full of, w- was based of streams or Farsis, you know. There will be a minority. Hindu workers on average would have had very little previous contact, even less because this is a really, really small group in India. But my understanding is that stereotypes about Zoroastrians are not that they are less capable. If anything, maybe the opposite, no? Yeah. So there has yeah. to be, you know, the, the stereotype has to be somewhat grounded in anecdotal evidence.
1: Yeah, yeah, no. Surely Muslims are more stereotyped in a negative manner in the Indian context than other minorities. There is absolutely no doubt about it. And the mm-hmm. study showing that. Uh, so if, you, if you're not Zoroastrians, if Zoroastrians, you, even if you mix Sikh workers, let's say Sikhs are a minority. Also, I don't think, you know, Hindus would be sort of, uh, wouldn't close them down for Thinking about them being less productive, at the first pass that they they, they would do for uh, Muslim minorities. So I think Muslims in general are much more discriminated against than other minorities in the Indian context. Okay, so, that's, so you yeah.
0: mentioned the mechanism or the the model that you have. The model is just a story at, at this point, but you mentioned specifically some evidence that seems to be consistent with the model. You have two bits of evidence that are probably among the most interesting uh, or the most compelling part of of, of the paper. Could you? will you
1: mention these bits of evidence? Sure, of course. And I think and what I'm going to speak about, these evidence not only supports my model, it also helps to rule out some other mechanisms that we have alluded to before. I think what I do is that I, at baseline, I collect a large amount of data on characteristics of uh, workers, you know, the amount of baseline contact they've had, the amount of tenure they've had at the firm, and also their preferences over uh, political bills um, that are widely criticized for being uh, going against Muslims. And what I find that that if hindus have had past contact with muslims or they have longer tenure or they are likely to support these bills which are typically criticized to be discriminating against muslims these effects are essentially larger so these negative effects are initially larger and they also attenuate less they also they, they still attenuate so repeated contact still helps even if you have these references but um the degree of attenuation by the end of the experiment is still lower um, so this really tells you that you know the status of minorities essentially matters so though they you know if, if it's really about uh, hindu muslim differences in productivity you know the effects won't vanish just by looking at heterogeneity by characteristics of hindu workers and the second piece of evidence uh, which is again relates to the interactions amongst workers um, i asked workers at baseline about you know who has blamed you or uh, during the intervention period for not performing or who do you think did not put sufficient effort during the experiment or who would you be willing to give up your break time for if someone was in an emergency and i find that hindus typically blame uh, muslim capabilities for low output which is consistent with the prediction of the model because of these priors so they're more likely to blame low output on muslims they're more likely to accuse them of not contributing sufficient effort overall but it's muslims who go out of the way to you know give up their relief time for hindus uh, so essentially even you know at a higher probability than they would do it for their um, own co-religious muslim workers so so this is this i, I take this as evidence that you know muslims uh, work harder uh, to ameliorate these um, stereotypes. The third key result um, uh, that I probably didn't allude to is that overall there's this negative effect in HD, not in LD, but the effects attenuate in HD But at Endline, I find that when I add, you know, measure attitudes of Hindu workers towards Muslims, I find that it is in these high dependency tasks where attitudes of Hindus towards Muslims improve. So exactly in the tasks that suffered the largest negative output shocks. And this is something that I find overall insightful and non-obvious that, you know, the largest positive effects on attitudes occurred in exactly the tasks that had the largest negative effects um, on, on, on output. This suggests that, you know, working in close quarters, even with some frictions, uh, it's better for improving team uh, intergroup relations than working in these low dependency tasks. In a sense, there's this really cost of not uh, collaborating or coordinating in high dependency tasks. It immediately affects output, and that also probably incentivizes workers to invest in outgroup workers uh, to get to know them, and that sort of improves relations. Whereas in low dependency tasks, uh, sort of barring extreme events, there's no loss to output, and that perhaps also why there's very little incentive to try to overcome your differences.
0: So my my understanding, having relatively uh, detailed contact with the literature on diversity in organizations, but my understanding from far away is that economists are much more negative about diversity than other social sciences. Both in the financial press or in sociology or maybe in anthropology, diversity is, is often regarded as a, as a good thing. There's like a diversity of views, different perspectives. It, it, it's all great. All the papers that you mentioned, including the one on the public sector are kind of showing that diversity is bad for productivity. But in some sense, your paper seems like the most optimistic of of all of them, because number one, the negative effects on productivity are very short term. They dissipate within a couple of months. Statistically, there are no difference after a couple of months. And number two, if, if from a societal perspective, we put some weight on correcting the distorted priors that some groups have towards others, your paper will show that we will be able to achieve this objective at relatively little cost from a productivity perspective. Is that, is that an accurate
1: reading of the main message, really, of the paper? Absolutely, absolutely. I think you've put it in a very you know perfect way. It's that sort of the idea of looking at technologies or the effect of long-run contact is essentially, I wanted to, what motivated me to look at, what can we do to fix this? You know, We have this uh, sort of finding that it leads to negative output effects. And what could it mean? You know, do firms just segregate workers and we have a segregated society? Or do does it hinder them from growing? Or maybe none of these things, because you know, sort of, they are able to internalize the fact that you know, through repeated contact or through the adoption of appropriate technology, you can ameliorate these some of these effects. So I think that's that's very well nicely put. That the main result is that, at a relatively short cost, you can overcome these differences and can uh, help to create a more cohesive uh, work structure. And to get at this, I also do a firm survey where I just ask workers and uh, supervisors, actually, some, uh, so like a personnel who plays some uh, supervisory role. I ask them to firstly to predict the results of my experiment and then what would they do and you know it's uh, it seemed like you know uh, the, the whether they could predict or not the findings are mixed a sufficient portion of them could predict and a part of them also realized that these effects do go away so they seem to be internalizing this fact but even without that they were not willing to segregate workers they say that's not a hr policy or tool that we employ because you know external political tensions affect us if we have segregated workforce so you know sort of firms knowing that these effects can really go away so through sort of these repeated contact and these really very cl- high complementary settings, I think has false implications of how we should integrate workers to have a more integrated um, you know, farm culture, for sure. Yeah. Very good. Thank you, Arkadev, for coming to the program. Oh, thank you. Thank you very much for having me. It's great. I mean, yeah, I mean, I, it was a great experience. You you read all of it. <laughs>
0: My guest today has been Arkadev Goss. My name is Jordi blanel and this is the Visible Hand podcast, Job Market Edition. Please visit our website, the Visible Hand. UK for links to the other papers that we discussed introductory music and logo by a Tana season episode produced by Anderson Tan